everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the Savvy Millennial Podcast, a community dedicated to ambitious and successful millennials. And today with us, we have Lizzie Pierce. She is a business owner and content creator from Toronto. After graduating university, she found a full-time job at Toronto Production Company. Later on, she realized that she has a lot of potential to build her own business. So she did. She built Know How Media with her fiance, Chris Howe. Lizzie is now a sought-after creator with a combined audience of over 200,000 followers and subscribers. She travels all over the world sharing her adventures with her audience and spreading her mantra, if she can do it, you can do it as well. She's a YouTuber, podcaster, and a serial entrepreneur. And during this episode, she'll be sharing with us lots of tips on how to build your own company, how to scale it, how to grow your following and audience online, how to make sure that you stay relevant, and how can you work with your partner 24-7 and never get tired. There will be lots of tips and lots of takeaways. And with that, let's jump right into the episode. Hi, Lizzie. Super excited to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Do you mind telling our listeners what you do, how you come to be where you are, and yeah, anything else you want to share? Sure. Um, So I'm a video producer by trade, I guess you could say. That's what I went to school for and self-taught when it comes to photography and videography. I started my video production company that I co-run with my fiance a few years ago called Know How Media Operations. And in running that, you know, we were focusing mainly on corporate videos and delved a little bit into, you know, viral online marketing and then extended that even further into travel photography and videography, working with different tourism boards, things like that. And then we decided, you know, we have such a good knowledge of social media and marketing. Why wouldn't we sort of use that knowledge to our advantage with our own platforms? So we focus on instructional tutorial type educational videos about photography, videography, and business and entrepreneurship. Um, How we got started, sort of helpful tips that we can you know, so we can help other people who want to do the same type of thing. All of that sort of blended now. And a lot of our most recent clients are, you know, our tourism boards, yes. The, so we'll produce, you know, high quality video and photo content for them, but we'll also share that content then on our social media channels. So on YouTube, on Instagram. And so not only are we making high quality content now, but we're also providing the platforms to get it seen. So that's the bubble (laughs) that we operate in right now. I love it. Thank you for sharing. And I love the story how you had a corporate job, then you decided to put it all behind and start your own thing. Mm -hmm. Can you, I guess, tell us more about the process? Like what forced you in and what made you finally do the plunge? When I graduated from university, I went ahead and got a full-time job at a production company in Toronto. And I thought, you know, one, that was what I was supposed to do. And two, I, you know, was tired of being a broke student. So I wanted to make some money, which is fair. But I always sort of had the dream and the desire to work for myself and to start my own business that just really felt right. And I had been freelancing for um, a couple of years before that while in school. In working at that job, you know, there are a few factors. One factor that I'm very open about is I wasn't a huge fan of my boss, which is, you know, hard to to work with someone that you don't like. 
And two, I started really thinking about, okay, if, if I'm going to uh, start my own business, work for myself, and at the time, the and still now my plan is to work alongside my fiance, you know, what better time to do that than while we're still young and we have time to make mistakes. So I worked at this production company for about a year, year and a half, and then I quit. And it wasn't an easy decision. I was in the middle of being promoted. So that felt like a bad sign. And then when I did quit, I think it was a week or two after I left, I got another job offer at a different production company that I had a, I had applied for a long time ago. Turns out they didn't like the person they hired. So then they offered me the job. So I hadn't really you know, applied for it a second time. They just kind of came back to me. So then that felt like a second sign that I'd made a terrible decision. <laughs> after thinking about it and stressing about it, I realized, you know what, I still have to go back to my commitment, not only to Chris, but to myself in like taking this risk and putting myself out there to give this a real shot. So that's what we did. And we have never looked back. And ultimately, it was a good decision. <laughs> Luckily. I think it definitely was. And I mean, good for you to just stick into your decision and not taking, I guess, the easy way out, I would say. I mean, maybe going back to get a job, it definitely would present its challenges mm -hmm. and you'll grow. But starting your own business is probably more challenging and more rewarding mm -hmm. in a sense. What are some of the most difficult things that once you were in, you were like, oh, crap, I didn't think about this or, oh, crap, I didn't think it was going to be that difficult? in my opinion, when it started to get hard, just because we want to grow. And there are so many things that I can see opportunities in to delve more into to, to allow us to grow and to scale this business. But it's just hard to decide how you're going to do that, where you're going to find the time to invest in it, what's the best decision, should you take this risk, should you not take that risk. And especially now, because we have some employees, there's a responsibility to be able to not just provide for ourselves, but to be able to provide for them too. So um, there's a lot of pressure. Um, when it's just you and you're flying by the seat of your pants and you're living job to job, you know, it doesn't feel <laughs> like that. But now, you know, we have a house, we have a mortgage, we would like to, you know, one day have kids we're you know saving for a wedding and we would like to be able to have flexibility in our lifestyles to live our lives the way we want whether that's traveling or whether it's you know spending more time with our our future children so we're trying to set ourselves up in a way that um, we're building a good foundation for our business got it okay so question i guess working together with a partner and mm -hmm always being 24-7 attached and I guess now managing a team, there's so many questions. First of all, how do you work together? Do you have a certain separation of roles, rules, duties, like one person responsible for something, the other one is responsible for something else? And then how do you hire a team? Like, did you always have a team? At which point did you decide to hire that one person, two people, and then what do they do? We can't imagine another way of working like it's hard for us to imagine that other couples they go to work and they don't see each other all day and then they come home and that's the first time they saw each other after the morning like that blows my mind <laughs> that they don't see each other during the day because we're literally in the same office or we're at home all the time it works for us because we're both good communicators and which is also rare to find especially in a male partner <laughs> 
overall, you know, we're on the same page about a lot of things and our lifestyle. So because that works for us in terms of our relationship, it works for us in business as well, because we have the same goals. You know, your, your work should revolve around your life, not the other way around. And in my opinion, a relationship is work, you know, making those financial commitments together and making a lot of those um, emotional commitments is arguably some of the biggest decisions you're going to make in your life. So that is work that's negotiating, that's investing, you know, (laughs) there are contracts involved in marriage. (laughs) In my opinion, you know, that is work. In a lot of ways, our business seems like small stuff compared to the real stuff that you have to go home to. And we genuinely enjoy our jobs and we have a lot of fun together. So we, we like collaborating and we like coming up with that creative. And it's also really convenient when we're doing these tourism projects to be able to go together and to be able to do the entire project, the two of us, and then enjoy our evenings out, you know, at having a nice dinner. There are those perks as well. And when it comes to hiring and our employees, it was a very gradual process. It sort of started with, okay, maybe we'll just get help on, you know, this one project here and there. Okay, maybe I'll bring them on for this other project. And, you know, I can't speak for Chris's relationship, but with my editor, Josh, he started out editing my weekly vlogs and not only did our, you know, personal relationship grow, we just genuinely get along really well, but he showed desire to more than, and so we started getting him to work on more of my main channel content. And then it moved into collaborating on creative and script writing. So now you know, we're working together on pretty much every project. And um, he's definitely become an integral part to the channel. And now I look at my to-do list and I wonder how the heck I would get all of this done without him. And that's how is getting help. And I definitely think that, you know, the content on the channel has been able to improve and grow into, you know, different niches because of him too. Of course, I'll always be the creative director of, you know, whatever it is we're doing, but that's the only way any business is going to be able to grow is with help. So if you think down the line of, you know, how am I going to be able to sustain this or you think how much, you know, money can I make just by me showing up every day to work when I stop working, the business stops. It's not really a good model to grow a company. And so hiring out and getting employees and hiring people on full time. And I have a few assistants as well that I bring on when I have smaller jobs here and there is necessary. So I think it's just kind of dipping your toe in and making those small, you know, if I were to give any advice, making small commitments and, you know, trying out an editor or an assistant or a script writer or what, whoever it is for one project and then a second one and seeing whether it, you felt it was really helpful or whether it was as much of a financial commitment as you thought it was, whether you think that you've made that investment back in other areas because of it is a good way to start out. I love how you share that, you know, there's no, basically there's no novelty in doing it all yourself. Like you got to get help to make Mm -hmm. sure that you can succeed in your business and grow. And it's uh, interesting because that's basically almost every successful entrepreneur that I interview on the show, they all have help. Now, I guess my favorite question is, how do you find someone like Josh? Where did you find him? Where did you find that (laughs) awesome human? And how did you know that he is going to be it? Well, when I 
first kind of officially started looking for someone, it was for the the weekly blogs. And I put out kind of a, I guess, a casting call of sorts in my uh, Instagram stories and reminded people a few times and saw what submissions came into my email. And then I had one of my assistants go through them and narrow it down to their top 10. And then I think I picked a top three out of that top 10. And then I had one-on-one, you know, it wasn't during COVID, but I think I had FaceTime interviews with them just to meet them and, and see what I felt they were like and ask about their availability and those more personal questions. I don't know if that process necessarily was the perfect one that led me to Josh. I think in a lot of ways, we both got lucky and we talked about that a lot because we really like working together. But I, I think there's something to be said about not necessarily finding the perfect employee and everything right away. Not one person is going to be ideal in 100% of the ways that you you need them to be. They're going to have their strengths and their weaknesses, but it's the desire to improve on those weaknesses, willing to learn. And the biggest one, in my opinion, is initiative and just genuinely being excited about what you're doing and wanting to do better and do more. If someone doesn't have the desire to even shot something unique and sent it to me, he was the only person who did that. Everyone else sent me a reel or a CV or something like that. And um, he went the extra mile. So I would just say to look out for those people who are going to go the extra mile. Thank you for this. I, I love the extra mile comment. It's, it's perfect. I think it's brilliant. So if you are looking for someone, just make sure they don't just send you a resume and a video. It has to be something yeah. creative. Perfect. And then, so now how many people do you guys have on your team right now? I guess you and Chris, between the two of you. Between the two of us, we have two full-time employees and then we have a few editors we'll pull on on a contract basis. We've got about two or three of those. And Chris and I share one assistant who helps us with, you know, script writing and scheduling and daily tasks and things like that. But there are a lot of, again, independent contractors that we hired out. Chris has someone right now, I believe, doing some online marketing for him for his digital products. It's okay. perfect. And I mean, contractors, obviously, in the business that you guys do, it's essential because it depends on the project that you're working on. You and Chris have been around a business for a very long time and you have a lot of brand exposure right now. So I assume brands reach out to you. But when you first started, how was the process before? Did you reach out to someone with proposals or they've always come to you first? With our production company, it was definitely a kind of a, a two-pronged approach. Most of our work was incoming and or referral-based, but we did spend some time reaching out, especially when we, when we wanted to expand into working with different tourism boards. We did spend a lot of time working on gathering email contacts and putting together those initial kind of cold emails and tailoring some specific concepts to brands that we really wanted to work with to make it feel, you know, not just general, but really unique to them. So that did work occasionally, but it's always stronger to have a referral. And that one of our biggest clients was just from, you know, a cottage weekend, we met a new person at this cottage weekend, a friend of a friend, and we told them what we did, showed them a video of ours. And 
uh, turns out they worked for a credit union that a couple months later was looking for video work. And so it's always important to be ready to tell people what you do. And it doesn't always hurt to have an example of it to show them (laughs) at the same time. But now with our social media work, most of the time we are being contacted by brands. Um, We have a few different agencies um, or independent agents that we work with. And one agency in particular gets a lot of inbound directly from those brands and then funnels it out to us. But we do have another independent agent that does a lot of outreach for us. And we kind of work with her to generate you know, a big list of who we want to work with. And she kind of does those reach outs for us. Even now, we don't sit back and wait for people to come to us. You know, we're always trying to find you know, the people that we really want to work with and we, that we feel aligns with our brands and we can do something really um, impactful with. I love how, you know, it seems like so easy on Instagram. Your content is amazing, guys. So I, I just assume the brands just come to you and you're like, no, 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 there's, there's a lot of people involved. Like we have to work, we have agents to work. Like, there's a lot that's yeah. going on. Yeah. Otherwise, if we didn't have them, I could spend all day on my email and never get anything done or on the phone, you know? And that's, I'm glad Um, you're sharing that because, you know, a lot of people don't realize that behind the scenes, like there's so much work out there that you're doing and your agents are doing. It's not just coming to you Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you're that good. Like we're talking about creative right now for something in January. Like any business, there's, there are lots of different sides to it. There's someone actually making the thing. There's the person coming up with the creative. There's the person talking, you know, to the client, negotiating all of the the details, putting together the contracts, fulfilling payment. And there's accounting, there's, and in our industry, there's storage for all of the media involved. There's purchasing for new gear there, you know, we could go on and on. So I guess the question would be, if somebody's starting out in the world of photography, videography, where do they start? What would be your suggestion? How to make it work? Maybe where to market and where to put their money and time into? It depends really on the stage of where they're at. And I mean, if this is for someone who's already quite confident in their skill set as a photographer, has a gear kit, you have the tools to do the trade. It really just comes from those referrals. And those referrals come from people knowing what you do. And so I don't really have, and I say this to everyone who, because this is a a question we get asked a lot. It's like, how do I find these clients? You know, where are they? And it's not, um, unfortunately, there isn't really a recipe other than, you know, people need to know what you do. And then when they know you did a good job, they're eager to recommend you. And there's always a client who needs your skill set in your price range. That's something else that I'd like to tell anybody who's starting starting out because another question is, you know, how do I make more money? How do I scale this? And how do I get budgets that are even bigger than what I'm doing right now? No matter what your price range, whether you're charging $100 for a shoe or $1,000, there's always going to be someone who needs your skill set and what you can do for that $100 at that $100 price range. And the more you keep shooting, keep doing all different types of shoots. I wouldn't say to pigeonhole yourself and do only one type of photography that's or videography. That's my opinion, because there's always going to be someone who wants, you know, that skill set at in that price range. So I wouldn't 
get down on yourself thinking that, oh, because I'm only charging $100 for a shoot, it doesn't mean that this isn't a business and it doesn't mean I'm not going to make any money. The second you have your first client, that's a business. The second you have someone that's willing to give you money in exchange for the thing that you did or the thing that you made, that's a business. You have your first client. It's just now a matter of of scaling it. And sometimes that's improving your skill set and upgrading your gear. I guess in terms of your social media, when you when you start with the project and uh, you know you post it on social media, you get the exposure. How do you grow online? Like you, you've grown over the past years from fifty to eighty to a hundred thousand followers, now more. How, what's your strategy? <laughs> is there a skill? Is there a trick that you're using? Well, there are a few little tips that I think a lot of people could find anywhere online. I made a few videos about some of the little, you know, tips and tricks that I do. But at the end of the day, it comes from one posting consistently to posting high quality content that people want to see that makes sense for the niche that you're in. So having a, a common theme on that account, whether it's lifestyle, whether it's home decor, whether it's in my case, you know, travel, photography, videography, it's you want to be producing content that makes sense and that that audience is primed to see. And last but not least, it's always good to collaborate with other creators as well to kind of a lot of people think of it as, you know, I'm sharing my audience with you. It's really more of a recommendation, in my opinion. It's one creator going, hey, I really like this other creator and I like the work they do. So I think that you guys will too. And that's, you know, a dedicated exposure to a dedicated mass audience. So that, especially on YouTube, is a really powerful way of growing. So for you, it's YouTube. Would you recommend any other channel like TikTok? or LinkedIn or any other channels that you think for photographers, videographers, and content providers, that is the place to be on. In terms of growing your business? I guess both exposure personally, and then also as your business, because at the end of the day, you are the face of your brand. I would suggest first to use whatever following you already have. And most people have a Facebook account. So I would share whatever you're doing, whether it's a wedding you just shot, with the audience you already have first. And the people that know you are probably the most likely to recommend you once they know what you do. And the only way you do that is by sharing your work. So Facebook is a great one because pretty much everybody has one now. Instagram, for photographers, you can get leads through. But I find that Instagram is a little bit better as just an online portfolio and a way of showcasing your work. So whether you're showing a behind the scenes of a shoot that you're on or whether you're sharing a few tips of the trade, giving your client the ability to go on, maybe it's your website or maybe this YouTube page and see you and see you in action before they hire you. It's just another way of allowing that client to feel more comfortable with you and get that confidence in you before even meeting you. So it's, it's just another selling point rather than, you know, reading a paragraph about you with a picture, they actually get to spend, you know, five to 10 minutes dedicated with you watching this video. So it's a little more personal. I like it. Thank you for sharing this. Now for, I guess the Instagram, YouTube, when you're trying to promote the content that you create, do you use any ad budget? Do you use any sharing other platforms or any other tools, or you basically just post and you hope that it's going to take care of itself? On YouTube? I guess basically every platform, YouTube, Instagram. We're essentially 
posting on YouTube where, I mean, not just throwing something out into the world haphazardly. We do spend a lot of time on the title and the thumbnail and making sure that it's something people would want to click um, because that's all they see initially. So a lot of that and time, probably more than people think, gets spent on creating those two things. But there is no ad spend that goes in behind them. We're really just trying to constantly think of what people would want to see and what people would want to search or what's going to come up in a search engine. In terms of Instagram, occasionally, depending on what the post is, if it's if I'm promoting a particular product or something with that Instagram post, sometimes they'll put a little bit of ad spend behind it. And I do see some conversions from it. But overall, no, we're using hashtags and kind of the tools that we're given. I love it. Thank you for shining the light on this because I think a lot of people just have the misconception of, you know, you probably have a huge marketing budget and that's how you get to where yeah. you are. And that's not it. Like that you just create great content. So I guess COVID and now, you know, a lot of your business on the personal side and your brand is, you know, tourism boards, traveling, you can't travel. So how is that going? Yeah. How have you been doing for the past nine months? What's been going on? It's definitely been a weird year. We've never been at home for this long. On a personal note, it's been, in some ways, a really good time because right at the beginning of COVID, we just got a kitten. And so we got to spend lots of time with her. So she is fantastic. She's sleeping in the office with me right now. (laughs) And we just bought a house. So having time to pack and to move and not be rushed because we're heading somewhere for the next project, you know, has been really nice because we know we're going to be here. And that was honestly one of the factors in why we decided to buy right now. We said, hey, we're here. We have no idea how long this is going to be, but it's at least going to be, you know, another six months. (laughs) So we have dedicated time to get this place set up. Why wouldn't we take advantage of this? That's been the good side. On the other side of things, it's travel and working with tourism boards, you know, was a portion of our income. And those were some of our highest paying jobs and some of the more fun ones. So we have sort of expanded our YouTube genres, I guess you could say, to accommodate for that. So we've been talking a lot more about tech than we usually do on our channels. This has been a big year for a lot of different tech brands. You know, we've been fortunate enough to kind of shift into doing more of that kind of content. In terms of our stockpile of photos to post on Instagram, (laughs) we actually have a few trips we haven't even gone through yet. So we're still okay (laughs) with the photos we have to keep posting. But, you know, at some point, we're probably going to start running low and may have to start reusing some content. But I, I think we're okay for the next little while. It has been nice to kind of take a step back and to reframe how we look at our life. And we have been very busy here, but it, it feels a little less crazy than it usually does with hopping on and off planes and, and things like that. But we're definitely ready to travel again as soon as we can. <laughs> I hear you about traveling. Absolutely. And I mean, it sounds like what you're doing is you're taking advantage of the slow time. I mean, depends on what you define by slow, but you're definitely using it as an opportunity to grow in other areas. Like you got a kid and you're getting a house. You're, Mm -hmm. You're still growing and you're still doing stuff. It's just in a different area that maybe before you neglected a little bit because you were traveling all the time. Exactly. 
And, then, and we have been really fortunate during this that we, we've still been able to work. And so we absolutely recognize that. And not even that, you know, we were still able to buy a house. So we're feeling very lucky overall. I love this. I love the attitude. And then it's similar uh, to us. We're kind of in the same. We got a puppy instead of a kitten. But yeah, we did the same thing. Good call. <laughs> the the thing that we realized is, you know, we, we kind of figured, okay, this year is going to be a different one. How are we going to make mm-hmm. the most of it anyways, right? Instead of saying, well, just going to chalk it up as a loss. And that, and that exactly what we were trying to focus on. Now, the stuff mm-hmm. that you said about tech. So could you tell us more about what does it mean for you guys focusing on tech? In the past, I think we leaned a little bit more towards, you know, the creative educational side of how to use certain tools and how to apply them creatively to create better content. Um, we focused on the business side of things, how to grow your business, how to make more money, things like that. And then, of course, travel photography tips. We would show some of the behind the scenes when we were on those trips in those locations and make travel films and things like that. But now I've definitely mentioned, you know, cameras and, and pieces of tech in my videos in the past. This year and this fall in particular, I've started to delve more into, you know, showcasing new pieces of gear, whether that's a camera or whether it's a new laptop that Apple came out with and talking um, a little more in depth about their components. And my mentality and how I present those videos is I'm sort of talking to someone who is looking into this world as, you know, an outsider or a beginner. And a lot of these specs can seem really intimidating. And so I'm trying to take, you know, really high level stuff and simplify it for everyone to give them an understanding of, okay, here's a camera that I think is great. Here's who it's best suited for and a creative I think it's best suited for. And here's a computer. Are you wondering whether you should get this? Well, here's the type of person I think it's best for. And here's why and in a simple but informative way. So we've just been talking a bit more about pieces of gear and pieces of tech that would help people in their creative process. and. Um, from my side of things, simplifying that in a way that they can digest. I love it. And I, I've seen some of those posts and that's why I asked. I thought maybe you guys are working on some kind of project or maybe you're thinking about coming up with an app or a piece of equipment. So that's why I was just asking not and yet. wondering. That would be cool though. You know, you, the COVID is not going to go anywhere for the next at least a few months. <laughs> I mean, you always have yeah, time right. after you're finished packing the house. You can always uh, <laughs> Let's just start an app. Why not? What else could we do? <laughs> why, you know, why not? Okay, so I guess yeah. with all the things on the go and you guys growing your business, what do you think are some of the challenges that people first when they start or when you started phase? And then what would be your recommendation? If you could go back, what would you recommend someone in your position? This is something you definitely face at the beginning of your career but it's ongoing throughout is imposter syndrome and not feeling like you are good enough to charge for your work, not feeling like you're worth what you're charging or just not feeling like you're even ready to start your business as a creative. And oftentimes I find that people wait too long to charge and to charge what they're worth. And that can have a negative impact. I mean, not just on them and their business, but on everyone else in the creative industry too, because a lot of times people can throw out these arbitrary numbers to their clients and it just confuses them and leaves them wondering whether, you know, that's what it's really worth or 
whether it's worth less or worth more and people negotiate their rates, which just blows my mind. You know, you need to think about what you're doing. It is creative, but you also have to think about it as a business and create your rates, stick to your rates because that's not just, you know, going to benefit you in terms of, you know, telling your clients what you deserve for that job. But it's also going to help the industry as a whole because we're not going to have to argue as much <laughs> to get paid what we deserve and what we've earned with you know spending time learning a skill set, investing in gear, networking, all of those things. I totally I appreciate that you mentioned that because it's true. I always viewed I mean I used to be in the industry, but more on the modeling side, and I always wondered how mm-hmm. photographers can charge. You know, obviously, if I do a photo shoot, I mean I'm not paying for the final outcome, but I know that the brand is. And working with the same photographer, I got to learn that they can charge dependent on the project, dependent on the brand, anything from, you know, nothing to thousands of dollars. And how do Mm -hmm. photographers could just start? How do they figure out where they fit? Like, is there a way to price yourself? Like, what what would you recommend? Like, where's the formula? Yeah. Like, is it a per hour price? Is it like, do you take, is it like a formula of like, how long does it take you to do a shoot, commute plus edit? Yeah. And then you kind of come up with the number, like what should be the ballpark? Yeah, we answer that question a lot. And that's why we've actually made a few products to help people with that. So one that we came out with not too long ago is a budget and estimate template. And so that kind of helps people get a sense of, okay, and and by people, I mean, creators get a sense of, okay, I'm putting in this much time on a shoot, I'm bringing out this piece of gear, it's going to take me this long to get there cost me this much to do this thing. And what's the rate you get. And along the way, the more shoots you do that are kind of the same recipe, you'll know, oh, for a two-minute corporate video that has drone and one day of interviews, one day of B-roll, something like that, it should cost about this much. You'll start to get a a sense of of what that is. Um, But that only comes from building those budgets and understanding, you know, what those costs are. And it's often, especially for video work, it's not as simple as having a flat rate all the time. Depending on what the client wants, it's going to require, you know, different shoot days, different pieces of gear, maybe a scriptwriter, you know, all of those different things. And that's why having a budget and being able to add in all of those costs and get that total number is really valuable. And then the estimate side of that is taking all of those big numbers, you know, for pre-production, it costs this much for production, it costs this much for, you know, all of our office expenses, it costs this much putting those into a simplified form for your client to understand is also really valuable because they don't need to see the individual breakdown. And that's not helpful for them. That's not helpful for you. Uh, for them to be nitpicking all of those little costs, you should just be showing them the big numbers and the, and the total and, and helping them understand what, what all of those mean. And occasionally people charge uh, in terms of like an hourly rate or a flat rate. That depends on you. There are standard hourly rates and there are you know some standard flat rates. <laughs> depending on your skill set, of course. And we we did actually cover that in a video we did recently. We mentioned some of those hourly rates and some of those flat rates, depending on the job and depending on your skill level in a certain position, you know, a more skilled editor versus a beginner editor, that kind of thing. The longer you're in the industry, the more you'll get a sense of what those average costs are. But they are pretty standard. And as someone who you know, works a lot in this industry, you can tell when someone's overcharging you or undercharging you for something just because of what numbers you're seeing on a, on a daily basis. 
So I guess the question would be for brands then, when or a creative, you know, an influencer, a person with a following, with a personal brand, they're trying to find someone to take pictures or videos, and they're trying to figure out what to do and how to find a person, what to pay them, what should be the project. How would you recommend those brands finding or going about finding the person, vetting them and figuring out how much to pay them? I think it's going to come down to looking at their work. And you can definitely see the difference between, you know, someone who's more beginner, someone who's more intermediate, and then to someone who's more advanced. And it's good for you as the brand to have an idea of what your budget is. And then you'll know what you can afford. And at the end of the day, you know, if you don't have the money for someone who's advanced, you're, you're just not going to get someone who's experienced. You can maybe get someone who's more intermediate or beginner or whatever it is. So um, go in knowing about uh, what your price range is and be ready to negotiate on the creative to suit that budget. Because that's often the frustrating part of our side of things is they come to us with a creative in mind and a budget in mind. And then we have to accommodate to both of those things. And so it's a lot easier if a client comes to us and say, hey, we have this budget. Let's come up with creative together that works within that. That's much easier for us because it's easy for us to come up with something exciting and interesting and engaging and something realistic within a budget that they give us. But it's not as realistic for them to say, hey, I want a Tesla for $5,000. I love that you said that because I think that's a great advice because it's not that, you know, they just need to adjust their budget and pay more. It's the idea that you just have to accept a different type of creativity and you can still Mm -hmm. find someone to do work for you at the price that you want. It just might not Mm -hmm. be, you know, a luxury style shoot or video, Mm -hmm. but it's still going to be great. So I love that you Mm -hmm. said that, that, you know, there's always a way around it. You just have to be flexible on some of the items. I mean, if you're approaching someone like Chris and I and say you only have 5000 or $10,000, there's something we can do for that. But we could probably make something even better if you're, you know, 25 or 30. Just because we've got more room, we can really hire people who are great at their job. It's a little easier for us to work within that to make something, you know, make an ad that's really great. If you're coming to us for and you're saying, hey, we only have five or 10, there's definitely something we can do for that that'll look great. It's just you have to be willing to be flexible on that creative and to work with us on it. I love it. Okay, so for you personally, I guess for Chris, what are your most, and I mean, I know you've created content on that, but for our listeners who haven't maybe seen it, the entrepreneurs that are coming out during this COVID time and trying to create a product, a service, digital offer, trying to create their personal brand, and they're really getting into the entrepreneurship zone and might have, might have not even thought about being entrepreneurs before. What would be some of your biggest advice and tips for those people who are just starting out as an entrepreneur owning a business? Who are just starting out? Just starting out or maybe, you know, like in their first year and still figuring things out. It's going to feel like a lot of work (laughs) and it's supposed to. (laughs) It's not all happiness and rainbows and waking up at noon and then just doing a little work and then, you know going out for lunch and then, you know, deciding what you want to do the next day, (laughs) you only get back as much as you put into it. And you will be that much more uh, successful, that much 
faster, if that's important to you, the harder you work at the beginning and not just like hard and working harder, working smarter too. So it's just like any other job. You have to show up and put in the hours. And Chris and I often, you know, we're not early risers. So we do come into work a little later in the morning than most people do, but we stay later at the same time. So you have that luxury, like, yes, we get to choose our own hours. So if we want to come to the office at 10 o'clock versus nine o'clock, we can do that. But we stay till six, seven, you know, hopefully not eight (laughs) o'clock. And you eat dinner at your desk because you kind of have to, because you kind of have to finish stuff before going home to eat dinner. Yeah. I think we were here till 7.30 yesterday. I'm glad that you're sharing this and thank you for, I guess, those tips. Now, if you are growing a business you're going with right now, what are some of the tips there? Like as you're going through it, what is there something that you didn't mm-hmm. realize? I would say be open to working in a, in a different way than you're used to. And that's if you've had, you know, training in a more, you know, corporate formal office, there are definitely things you can take from that style of working, but it's, 2020. And one of the advantages of, you know, being a young entrepreneur is we have a very optimistic outlook on, you know, what a business has to be and how it can work. And so be willing to try different ways of working and different ways of growing your business because you don't know what's going to work best for you and your business and pan out. And, you know, one example is, and this is just kind of a work ethic type of thing, we don't put as much pressure on our employees to have to work here if they want to work from home or if they want to do, you know, an extra job in the evenings. I know in my experience working at another job, it was very faux pas to work on anything else other than what you were working on at work. And and now, you know, especially creatives, they want the flexibility to be able to work from home, to work on different projects, because that's what keeps it exciting for us is the ability to be creative. So if you stifle that too much, they're not going to want to work with you and they're not going to want to work for you. So a lot of the ways, I guess, that business and a corporate life works is different. And that also comes with, you know, deciding how you're going to market your product. I mean, we're, we're YouTubers of all things like this. This wasn't a job when I was growing up. (laughs) And if honestly, if we weren't, if we were just exclusively doing the production company, COVID would have looked very different for us. I like it. I like it. With you guys, and I mean, you can get involved with everyone in this conversation. Like, what's the opportunity that you see for 2021 going forward, either in your industry or in general? There are still ways for businesses to make money going into 2021. I think a lot of people look at COVID as, I mean, it it is very scary what's going on right now. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of people um, think that there's no possibility to start a business or to grow a business in the current economy and without being able to see people or have a storefront or, you know, any of those things. And that's completely untrue. There are a lot of ways to have an online business, to be able to do online fulfillment. If we've seen anything, it's tons of businesses pivoting to suit the current climate and, and stay afloat and, uh, you know, be resilient and think outside the box. Don't think, Oh, well, I'll have to wait till this is over until I can do what I want to do. You can still go outside and go for a walk in most places. So I don't see why you wouldn't be able to take landscapes, you know, and practice wherever you are and practice your skills. So um, sometimes by being boxed in, you're forced to 
be more creative to work within those confines as well. So I would just say to people, don't let COVID get you down. <laughs> There's still a lot of opportunity. I love it. That's going to be the the motto and the slogan for 2021. <laughs> don't let COVID <laughs> get, get you down. <laughs> this is awesome. Okay. So I guess uh, books, resources, tools that you guys consume, that you definitely follow, podcasts, anything that you would recommend to the listeners? I've been listening to kind of junk podcasts recently. <laughs> In terms of books, anything by Malcolm Gladwell, we love. And I really loved The Moment of Lift by Melinda Gates. And I really loved Educated. I honestly listen to a lot of true crime podcasts, to be honest with you. In my opinion, like reading and and listening to podcasts for me is kind of my fun thing. I do like reading a lot of nonfiction, but I try to make sure that it's something outside of what I'm doing day to day, just because you work so often, I feel like it's a good idea to give your brain a, a bit of a break. So if I were to give you a tip on where to get your information from, or how to keep you motivated, I would say find some kind of like friend group or find a network of photographers or YouTubers or people who do the same thing as you. And I would keep in close contact with them and, you know, send them your questions and send them your work and, and keep each other motivated. I really like Sarah Dietschy's podcast. I don't think I we've do had anyone mention it on the podcast here. So thank you. That's perfect. I'll check it's it called out. That Creative Life. I will check it out. I, I've seen it pop up. So that is going to be on my list now. Okay. So any other creators, content you consume, advisors that you follow that you would want to give shout out and say, hey, I think you should really follow them. Check it out. Other than Chris. <laughs> Roberto Blake is really great for YouTube insights specifically. Rashida Jones and Bill Gates have a podcast. Anything Bill Gates, really. Also, Rashida Jones is fantastic. Yeah, I'm doing that on my way home. That and true crime podcasts are pretty much all I listen <laughs> that to. That and true crime podcasts. <laughs> Love it. Oh, okay. Thank you. It's been a pleasure having you here with us. With every guest who Thanks comes for on, me. we are asking uh, a millennial is, a millennial should be, and a millennial is not. A millennial should be innovative. A millennial should not be passive. And a millennial isn't lazy. And what is a millennial? Like, what's, what's your adjective for a millennial is? I would say innovative, personally. I love it. I love it. They are innovative. Okay, good. Thank you. Anything I haven't mentioned or you want to talk about, mention on the podcast that I haven't asked? If anyone wants to listen to our podcast, it's called A Couple of Creatives. And we talk about um, our struggles as entrepreneurs and a couple who owns a business together and then some of our, you know, just a little bit about our life as well. And we also interview other creative couples as well. I love it. And everybody should check it out. And then obviously the YouTube channel, the Instagram, where do people find you? At Lizzie Pierce on Instagram or YouTube. And it's L-I-Z-Z-I-E and Pierce is P-E-I-R-C-E. -E. It's tricky. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us. I'm excited to have you back probably in the next year to see how the new purchase of the house is going, how's the business. And yeah, sure. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. This was fun.